Welcome back to our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid, where we talk to researchers previously funded by Australian Rotary Health about their research findings. I'm Jessica Cooper, and joining us today on episode 25 is Dr. Louise Birrell from the Matilda Centre at the University of Sydney. Dr. Birrell's research examines the links between alcohol use and mental health in adolescents. She has extensive experience trialling substance use and mental health prevention programs and conducting systematic reviews of substance use related mobile apps and app development. From 2014 to 2017, Dr. Birrell was awarded an Australian Rotary Health Funding Partner PhD scholarship co-funded by the David Henning Memorial Fund. Her research project was called Untangling Comorbidity, Substance Use and Mental Health in Young Australians. Dr. Birrell was also awarded a Bruce Edwards postdoctoral fellowship in 2019 for the project Mind Your Mate, an online peer intervention to prevent mental health and substance use problems in adolescents, which she is working on now. So thanks so much, Louise, um, for joining me on today's podcast episode. Um, how, how have you been lately, especially as a researcher um, working during a pandemic? Thanks, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been a really interesting time to be working as a researcher. So our centre has been incredibly busy responding to the pandemic, um, opening up some of our school-based programs to be freely available once the pandemic started unfolding. So we've seen a really big uptake in those programs across Australia, which has been fantastic. Um, we've also been adding in measures to our longitudinal studies. So we're lucky that we've had a few long-term studies following young people from um, 2014 to now, um, we've been able to add in some measures looking at COVID and trying to look at the impact on mental health. So we've been busy um, putting that in as well as working with other researchers across Australia to coordinate that kind of research and calling for more investment into mental health um, and particularly prevention. But like everybody, I think there's been uh, highs and lows during this period. I know that personally there's been challenges from working from home with a toddler at times and my husband who's a school teacher so he'd be set up at the dining room table teaching a class of 30 students and I'd be next to him working and then we'd have my toddler in her chair next to us um, but we were really lucky in Sydney that the public health measures brought things under control pretty quickly so that was a short period of time and then schools reopened and it got a lot easier after that um, but also there's been a lot of pros with the increased flexibility and the focus on mental health, I think, across, particularly across Australia, in line with COVID, people are becoming really aware of the impacts, not just on physical health, but also mental health mm -hmm. and embracing digital technology. So, yeah, it's been an exciting time to be a researcher. And I think um, myself and our group have been lucky that our programs are largely online. So there's been minimal disruption from that point of view and even an increase in demand for online mental health programs. Yeah, yeah, well, it has, yeah, certainly been an interesting time. But yeah, having that, yeah, flexibility to do things online now, that's, you know, you know, something we probably weren't able to do many years ago. And if this had happened then, then yeah, probably would be much harder to cope. So 
yeah, it's good. And I, I suppose it's good as well that you're working on an app and, and that's part of your postdoctoral fellowship project at the moment. Um, did you want to tell us a bit about that and, and you're also recruiting, like what, what kind of criteria can, um, like do people need to meet to be involved? Yeah, thanks, Jessica. I'd love to talk to you about um, my postdoctoral research, which is supported by Australian Rotary Health and a Bruce Edwards postdoctoral fellowship. Um, and the idea behind this is to co-design and evaluate a new online intervention in the form of a smartphone app called Mind Your Mate for year nine high school students. Um, and the idea for this project really came from the knowledge we had around that key role that peers and friends play in young people's lives, um, particularly in terms of their health and mental health. And there's been an emerging body of work um, looking at social network theory and examining just how much impact friendships do play on the choices we make and the health choices we make, and that includes mental health. Um, and we also knew that young people really value friendships, particularly around that period of adolescence when um, people are figuring out their identity, figuring out where they fit in terms of those around them and establishing friendship networks. Um, so it's a really key part of the lifespan when friends are critically important. Um, and young people also report that they turn to friends in times of need um, or if they're having a significant issue in their life, they're generally the number one source of support or the number one um, person that they'll tell. So this came out of data from the Mission Australia report, which I think they've just released a new one today as well. And it surveys a huge number of young people, about 25,000 young people, and asked them who they would turn to if they had a significant problem in their life. Um, and number one was friends. That's ahead of their parents, their um, teachers or school counsellors or health professionals. So that made us think that it was really important to develop a program for young people to ensure that the advice that they're giving each other is not only appropriate and helpful, um, but there's also some evidence that doing that supporting and helping friends is actually good for your own mental health and it can help to support a more collaborative, supportive culture. Um, so we're currently running a randomised controlled trial in New South Wales with Year 9 students, so with high schools. Um, we're looking for 14 schools, so we've recruited about 12 at this point. There's a couple of spots left if anyone's interested, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we're hoping to evaluate this over a 12 month period and look at the impacts on young people's mental health and help seeking over that time. Yeah, well, that, that sounds like such an important um, initiative and yeah, being able to get, yeah, like friend, friendship involved and yeah, yeah, that's such an important thing to young people. So it's good that you've got that, yeah, evidence behind it and, and you're, you're making something out of it. So that'd be really good to see. Um, I guess as well, um, how do you hope that this type of intervention might help in preventing mental health problems in young Australians? Yeah, so I guess we're hoping that um, by upskilling and empowering young people to better support their friends around mental health issues and issues like anxiety, depression and substance use, um, we can teach them some important psychoeducational skills from early on and also try and break down some of that stigma and barriers that currently exist um, around seeking support early for mental health. And we know that if you can seek support early before those symptoms start to reach problematic levels, you generally have a better outcome, um, particularly when you're young. 
So the intervention itself includes one school-based classroom lesson and then a companion smartphone app that all students download and have available to use over 12 months. Um, and within this app, there are evidence-based learning modules that have been developed with experts in mental health and substance use, interactive videos and case studies to try and challenge some of the stigma around mental health and help seeking, and also the ability to check in and schedule conversations with friends and reminders to check back in with them. So this links into their calendars on their phones as well as the messaging functioning in the phone, um, giving them example messages they can send to a friend if they're concerned, um, that they can edit and then copy and, and send through SMS or via their social media messaging functions. Um, and we knew this was really important because young people Oh, about 90% of adolescents today have access to a smartphone and most of them use it daily to communicate with their friends, mostly through messaging functions. So we wanted to give them example texts and ways they can reach out with the tools that they're currently using in their day-to-day. -day. Um, but the other two key parts of the app is um, also making sure that young people think about their own self-care and monitoring, monitoring their own mood. So when supporting friends, um, making sure they're looking after themselves as well and linking out to appropriate support services. So it was uh, really important. We didn't want young people to take on the responsibility and um, think of themselves as a, a counsellor for their friend that um, they wouldn't then tell anyone about. Um, throughout the intervention, it's a, a message that they should link out to support services and making them aware of what is available, what it might involve if they go and talk to a counsellor or a school psychologist, what that could look like, um, and giving them really easy access uh, to that, that kind of information. So we hope that that will encourage help seeking from that early age and, and hopefully prevent uh, future problems. Yeah, that sounds really great and it sounds like it really encompasses a lot of, you know, helpful information for young people out there who might not know how to how to cope with mental health and like any you know issues associated with that. So yeah, that sounds really great. Is it kind of the first of its kind, would you say? Yeah, it's unique in um, being the first online intervention and definitely first smartphone app um, to be well evaluated, I should say. So there are existing interventions and some really good ones out there to upskill young people around supporting friends and mental health literacy. Um, but to date, they're generally conducted in one or two sessions through schools um, and there haven't yet been an online delivery model or a model integrated into a smartphone app. Um, that being said, there are a lot of smartphone apps currently on the market around mental health and some um, looking at checking in with friends, but the level of evaluation and scientific quality behind these is pretty low. So um, this is going to be the first one to be really well evaluated. It's grounded in good scientific um, evidence and the modules have been co-designed both with young people and also experts in the field. But I think the critical part is that we're actually going to put it to the test in a randomised trial and see um, if it actually works and track that over time. So um, as far as I know, that will be the first time this has been done. 
Oh, excellent. Well, yeah, it's great to hear about what you're doing now. And you're obviously doing some really great things um, in the mental health research field. Um, but yeah, I'd like to take it back a little bit now as well to um, when you were doing your PhD, um, you were working on a project um, called Untangling Com Comorbidity, Substance Use and Mental Health in Young Australians. Um, could you tell us about the, the aims of this, project, of this project when you started initially? Yeah, sure. So this um, was part of, this was my PhD research work, which was funded through the David Henning Memorial PhD Scholarship with Australian Rotary Health. Um, and the background to the project was that there was a large body of evidence that showed that mental health and substance use problems often co-occurred in the same people, um, higher than we would expect by chance. But the majority of this work had been done with adult populations um, and those at the more severe end of the spectrum, but we didn't really understand how this relationship developed and first emerged. Um, and adolescence was a really key time to try to understand this relationship because it's a time when mental health symptoms typically escalate and it's also when uh, people first start to use alcohol, alcohol use becomes more prevalent, at least in most Western cultures. Um, so my PhD had four separate studies which all had the key aim to better understand just why anxiety, depression and alcohol use tended to co-occur and the relationship in adolescence. So the three kind of key aims underneath that that it asked were um, whether an early onset anxiety and mood disorders were key developmental risk factors for exposure to alcohol use in adolescence. Uh, I then looked at whether the trajectories of emotional symptoms, so these are broadband um, symptoms of anxiety and depression, how they related to alcohol use in adolescence and whether there was a reciprocal relationship between them. Hmm. And, and so what did you find from this project? I'm sure you probably found a lot, it, yeah, went over three years and you probably did lots of little projects within that, but I guess, yeah, some of the main things that you found. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I won't um, go into all of the studies because it will We'll be here all day um, and I'll probably bore you <laughs> to tears but um, the main findings that came out um, so thinking about the first aim which was whether uh, early onset anxiety and mood disorders were developmental risk factors for starting to use alcohol um, we looked at data from the national survey of mental health and well-being which is a large nationally representative sample of the Australian population so it um, gave us a really good sample and meant that the findings could be generalised across um, Australians. And we found that having an early onset of an anxiety disorder increased the odds of beginning to drink alcohol in any given year by nearly 30%. Um, and that for mood disorders, having an early onset mood disorder that occurred after 14 years of age, this also increased your odds of starting to use alcohol by 32%. Um, so I guess the finding that early onset anxiety and mood disorders did act as unique risk factors for alcohol initiation, I should say too that we did control for a number of confounding variables in that relationship. So that included family history of alcohol and drug use, your age, gender, education um, and birth cohort. So even over and above all of those factors, anxiety and mood disorders still were unique predictors for alcohol initiation. Um, so it showed us that there was a relationship even from a really early age between um, these problems. 
and um, that it might be possible for us to start to think about strategies for preventing these together rather than as separate um, problems. So um, those findings as well as the other, the findings from the other chapters sort of contributed to this body of evidence that and a paradigm shift that was happening in prevention that rather than focusing on these discrete problems or disorders and thinking we'll design a program for anxiety and one for depression and one for um, alcohol use, it might actually be more efficient and effective for us to look across these diagnostic categories and take an integrated approach um, and target these broad risk factors that might be common across these problems. Yeah, so I guess that's also probably led on to further research and it's something that could probably have a, a real world impact on, on, on people. Um, could you maybe explain what, what's being done with these findings now? Yeah, so I think these findings kind of gave me the background to move into my current work and, and think about new prevention approaches and how we might um, think differently about designing new approaches um, and that led me to look at key risk factors across these disorders and one of those that emerged really strongly was peer influence and peer groups and both as a risk and protective factor. Um, so I guess I'd say that really led me down that path to developing the Mind Your Mate intervention which includes information across both um, anxiety, depression and alcohol and substance use um, mostly because these are the three most common problems in the general population um, but type having a program that's a more integrated approach and tries to target a key risk factor across these being friendship networks, um, I guess it is the, the immediate finding that kind of followed on from my PhD work and has helped to inform my postdoctoral work now and, and designing new programs for young people. Yeah, oh, well, that's great. It sounds like it, it's had like a real snowball effect. You know, you, you found one thing and that's kind of led on to, you know, what you're doing now. And, and it sounds like such an important intervention and it'll be great to see it out there and, and people using it. And yeah, it, yeah, it'd be great to see those results as well. Um, I know that, yeah, you've um, had like a pretty good relationship with Australian Rotary Health since you started your PhD and I'm pretty sure you've been like well received by Rotarians whenever you've had to present your research to clubs. Um, I guess as well, maybe um, could you tell us about how um, research funding by Rotarians um, may have helped your career personally and, and why it's so important that people consider supporting mental health research? Thanks, Jessica. Yeah, Australian Rotary Health um, have been an incredible source of support for both me and my colleagues working in mental health, particularly early career researchers. So, as you mentioned, both my doctoral and postdoctoral research has been supported by Australian Rotary Health. Um, and I think that they're really ahead of the game, both in the way that they have chosen to focus on mental health, but also to support early career researchers, because it is really difficult to obtain funding in general um, for mental health, but particularly for early career researchers and starting your own program of research and um, being given that first opportunity. So for me, that's what Australian Rotary Health um, have, have given me as an opportunity to start my career and to build my own program of research, which would, wouldn't have happened if I hadn't received the scholarship or the fellowship. Um, so it's given me that flexibility to pursue my own ideas and develop new interventions that wouldn't, um, as I said, wouldn't have existed otherwise. Um, 
And in terms of mental health being such a key area, I think it, had, it really impacts all of us. So the official statistics are that 50% of Australians will experience a mental illness, um, but that's just the illness level. So there's many more who will experiencing, experience distressing symptoms that may not reach that level of disorder. Um, and it means that in reality, most of us know somebody close to us who has struggled with mental health. Um, and there really isn't the funding there to support um, treatment and particularly prevention and, and research. We know that research in mental health gets a substantially lower number of funding relative to the burden that it causes in our communities. Um, so having the support of Australian Rotary Health in this area, but particularly to kickstart researchers into careers in this area, um, I think is a really critical role. Yeah, well, it's it's certainly been yeah great seeing how your research has developed over the years, and and yeah, it's just um yeah great to see that journey, and I'm sure the Rotarians really enjoy that as well. So, yeah, and well, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today, Louise. Was there anything else that you wanted to add before we go? Thanks, Jessica. Um, I just wanted to thank each and every one of the Rotarians who have donated their money, their time or their efforts to mental health research. I think what you are doing is incredible. It's impacting the lives of many Australians and their families. Um, so I have a young two-year-old daughter at the moment and I have so much hope that the world she is born into and goes through in life, she's given the skills and tools to support and manage her mental health um, so that if she does struggle, she does so without stigma, she can get access to important treatment or particularly prevention. Um, and I think Australia really is leading the way in mental health research, particularly around digital interventions. Um, so yeah, thank you for your support, both of me and my colleagues. I think it's such an important work that you're doing and there's so many programs and um, projects that just would not have happened without your support. So thank you and thanks Jessica for the chance to talk today about my research. No problem, thanks again. That was the 25th episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like Dr. Birrell's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.